We're here to make sure everybody knows that there's a whole lot more to Orlando than the Mickey Mouse ears. R- really? <laughs> because I know. I mean, Did you know that, good Nick? Start. But yeah. let me remind you that all those great theme park rides you go on are the result of stunning innovation yeah. and technology. Right. So we're going to start with that. Right. <laughs> Today we'll peek inside the United States Navy and how it's working with startups to drive innovation in the Navy's capabilities, processes, and culture. We recorded the episode back in August of 2023 at Capital Factory's Fed Supernova. Our guests in the show include Graham Chinaweth and Diana Teal from the Navy's Innovation Network, NavalX. Also on the show today is Carol Ann Logue, who leads South Florida's efforts to build a supportive startup ecosystem around defense innovation programs such as NavalX. More than anything, the conversation uncovers the new avenues into the Department of Defense for Startups. These networks and non-dilutive funding sources are changing the game for hard tech startups looking to unlock early milestones, even if they have a primarily commercial target market. Keep listening to this episode of Austinpreneur and you just may be the next startup to partner up with the DOD. Welcome to Austinpreneur, our show about the stories that made Austin, Texas a global hub for startups. The show is produced by Capital Factory and hosted by me, Nick Spiller. As a reminder, by joining Capital Factory, you can plug into the ecosystem where the stories on the show were set. Learn more about us at CapitalFactory.com. Welcome back to Austin. It's good Excite, to, excited to be here. Good to have you. You're not the first guest today that's brought up old school tech parties. In oh, Austin, really? Actually. Oh, geez. Yeah. And the other guest uh, brought it up and and then said we were at this really cool party. It was great. And then on Friday we had a meeting and company couldn't make payroll. I was done. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was, that was not that was not our experience. Actually, it's good. <laughs> one of the coolest experiences about being here with Dine was at that party where the Lumineers played. Uh, we invited. Um, the CTO of, of Amazon, of AWS. Mm. So he showed up at the party and we were able to like build that relationship and close that deal to deliver services. It was internet infrastructure services to, to AWS, which was a huge win for us. Big ROI on the party. Yeah, yeah, big ROI on the party, which is it's so funny because you know, you have like that one meeting with the key customer at the private element and you have like, you know, a bunch of people, uh, partying and listen to great music who are never ever going to buy our service but you got to have that big party to get that one meeting and so it's this very interesting uh you know uh spear fishing net fishing um opportunity and just the interactions that you see at that kind of massive stage i think i i'm really appreciative that uh, the capital factory is doing this event because i think if, if this event occurred in conjunction with that or if there was a theme to it there's just so much action activity. Yeah. Um, I think that's great for kind of broad, really broadening the aperture of who could get interested yeah. in national security. Um, right. But this one's a great one to get people that already are interested, yeah. get the startups more momentum, get the investors more visibility, get the services and the DOD uh, connected with capability providers. So it's just a great, great mix. Yeah. Yeah. And do you know how this event started? Uh, you know, I, I, I don't. I don't know how it started. So. It, it, spawned out of South by 2020 South by that never happened. Ah, cool. Yep. Which was going to be 
Army Futures after yeah. this big coming out party here yeah. in Austin, and we had yep. it all geared up and pulled the plug and parlayed that into Fed Supernova. Yeah. Which happened virtually initially, and now this has grown into... You know, and, and I was event. I was talking to the to the to the Capital Pfeiffer team last night about it, and it's so exciting to see. It. So there's another great event that happens in this space. Uh, it's it's it had its second year, so it's actually online with this one. This is the second in person one, right? Um, yes, I believe second and second or third, yeah. Yeah, and so uh, so there was uh, uh, this year was the second year of the MIT Harvard kind of defense innovation uh, conference that they put on one day conference. And I was talking about the attendance at this event and how I think it's like doubled essentially since last year. And uh, like 400 or like 800 to 1600 or whatever it is, the numbers are. And, uh, and that one uh, like tripled. So it went from like 100 to like 350 of uh, people that were kind of coming into this space. Um, and, uh, and it's so exciting because it, it's, it's, it's really talks about how talent is coming to this, how like America's engine of putting its most talented people kind of flows to the biggest, most interesting problems. Um, and that's really connected with my story, right, about how I ended up at Naval X uh, and how I ended up here at Austin um, for, for the event. Right. Um, you know, it's a story about me just like kind of coming in to discover the, challenge, the, the opportunities, the risks that our country faced um, and how there was a real opportunity to make a difference in national security if I got involved, even though I had no experience with this industry. Right. Yeah, we got caught up on apps and you know some some not super sophisticated problems for a bit. And well, I think there are interesting challenges, and and, and I was just talking about outside, like you know, uh, in nature, organ organisms only adapt when their environments put stresses, mm -hmm. right, and so. For a long time, you can see that we haven't had to, there's a lot of ways that we haven't had to really change or adapt from a national security perspective, right? Um, we were effectively able to execute uh, the global war on terror um, with, with, uh, with part of our society really dedicated to it and a very specific part of it, right? We became highly adapted to that fight. Mm. Um, and now that we're in the context of, you know, kind of a global competition context, sure. a lot more of, of the DOD is starting to need to kind of adapt and flex. Uh, we need a lot more type of capabilities that are bringing in to ensure our collective security. Um, and that's what's so exciting about what Naval X is doing, right? I mean, you think about, you know, when you look at that long arc of history and you think about, uh, you, know, you know, we were in a very competitive context uh, prior to World War II. Right. In World War II, we were incredibly in a very competitive context with, with, uh, with the Japanese uh, and, and their fleet with battle, you know, battleships and uh, uh, aircraft carriers and in, with submarines in the Pacific with the Germans. And uh, it's a very competitive context. You get into the Cold War, we're in a very competitive context undersea with, with the Soviets. But after that, you know, you move into an area of great stability, then you get into GWAT. None of that really put environmental stress on the, uh, the adaptation of naval capability, right? And so uh, because of that, we got really, really good at, at incremental improvements to existing capability sets, right? And some of that, it was all evolutionary innovation, right? And the exciting part about Naval X, you know, our mission is to, uh, you know, rapidly 
uh, deliver, meaning rapidly less than two years, de deploy disruptive capabilities, meaning real changes to tactics, techniques, and procedures, or TTPs, um, to uh, fleet force defined and fleet force owned problem sets. So for the first time, the Navy's in a position uh, and the Marines are in a position where we need to start to adapt those in the, in the maritime environment, right? We've got a rising, rising power uh, in, in China that's invested tremendously in their capability set um, and, and, and the Russians who have an existing capability set. And as a result of that, in order for us to maintain uh, deterrence, ensure collective security, we've got to adapt as a Navy. And that doesn't just mean uh, doing better at the things that we currently do. It means doing differently with novel capabilities that have really seen a lot of development in the commercial space, but have been brought in uh, as robust, robustly as they could be into the kind of the, the naval enterprise. So Naval X is a innovation arm of the U.S. Navy. Yes, exactly. And, and you're looking to go move the needle in a big way on some key capabilities you're looking at. Absolutely. So, so the way that we have set ourselves up is that we're really integrated with the, the, the fleet and force. So we have people out there with, you know, the, the, the Navy and the Marines are deployed all over the world. Yeah. Right. And so we have people that are connected with those user communities right. uh, to understand that demand signal. Uh, and then we're able to come back and, and collaborate with a bunch of different partners, with DIU, with InQtel, with the Navy's Cyber program, mm -hmm. uh, with the tech bridges, right? So uh, Naval X did up a whole network. There's 18 tech bridges globally. 16 of them are in the United States, all spread out at our, at our, our website, usnavalx.com. What is a tech bridge? So tech, tech bridge is an organization that is geographically local, usually to a uh, connected with some type of Navy activity. So oftentimes uh, a warfare center, which is the traditional Navy's acquisition kind of research and development arm. Um, uh, so it's connected with that, uh, covers a local ecosystem of startups and investors, but each one of those has a specialty, mm. right? Um, and so, uh, you know, if you, if you go to our website, again, usnavalx.com, uh, you, you can see which specialties kind of the, each one of these places uh, go. And they're like the front door, really. So if, it, if you, you're thinking like, hey, like I, I have a piece of technology I think could, could, could allow, you know, I've got a piece of AI that allows sailors to do this. Or, you know, I, 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 my, I have a commercial application uh, for, uh, you know, unmanned surface vehicles. Or I've got an interesting drone. I was just talking upstairs today to a company that has a really interesting uh, AI that they're applying on, on commercial uh, overhead imagery to produce better maps, right? So like, how do I go find that? And literally the conversation we had upstairs was, hey, you talk to this warfare, to this tech bridge, this tech bridge, this tech bridge, they'll connect you with the right people to make sure you can understand that customer demand signal, see where you might fit into delivering value um, to the Navy. And it's really exciting because, um, you know, that network has been stood up, it's starting to mature. And I'd say this as broadly speaking across the, the DOD, you know, you know, from a corporate perspective, you, you know, I always think about when you're building teams, right? You, you know, you're storming, and then you're norming, and then you're performing, right? And so I think this first five years for this big bureaucracy of the DOD has been to kind of storm, mm -hmm. right? We got one version of DIU, and then a new version of DIU, and then you got new naval action, you got AFWorks, and you got, and so, and now we're starting to norm. How do, you know, how do we execute together, right? How do we align yep. um, so that all this innovation activity that's happening across the United States can really find its path, find its home yep. into, you know, support sailors and Marines and soldiers and airmen and, uh, and, and, uh, and Space Force. Um, 
And so it, we're getting to this norming phase, which I, I feel is really exciting because that means that not only are we really well prepared and engaged with our internal stakeholders, but we're also really well prepared to engage right. with our external capability providers. And, and when people think about how to approach uh, you know, the, the, the Navy or, or even the DOD, you know, it really is an enterprise sales process, right? So you got to be ready to think about it in that way. Now, there's a few inside sales opportunities with the SIBRA programs, right? You can do that stuff. But, the, but to get a real uh, significant scaling opportunity, you have to do that enterprise sales. But now you have Sherpas, right? Now you have champions who are going to be able to be there if you think that your capability can, can really change the game uh, to, to help you through that process and align you with those customers. And so NavalX is embedded across the world and, and yep. listening to what's happening on the ground, relaying yep. that back here. Is there NavalX headquartered somewhere? Or you guys got a... Yeah, so we, so we are headquarters in, is in D.C. Okay, yep. Um, and then we have uh, kind of two parts of kind of that sensor network, right? Mm -hmm. So one is out of D.C. we have a group of fleet force engagement managers. So they're the ones that are talking to the sailors on the ground uh, or on the ocean <laughs> uh, around the world, uh, Marines on the ground and uh, or in the littorals where they, where they hang out. Uh, and, and then we've also got this tech bridge network, which is kind of the, the other side of that, right? Yeah. Because ultimately we're, we're trying to broker these relationships between people with needs, right? And then and the people that have capabilities. So you can think about those tech bridges as in those local ecosystems. There's gonna be, I, there's, there's a tech bridge for you, whether or not it's local to you from a geographic perspective, or they care about a technology that you're working on. So there's from a technical perspective or a geographic perspective, there's someone local to you mm. from the Navy that you can go talk to, right? It's going to be a face and a name. You can show up that, you know, they're, they're going to do some type of event sometime throughout the year. Right. You can go in and start to have that conversation, right. um, which is so great because, you know, one of the things that happened with our increased security posture right, after 9-11, is we moved all of those naval activities inside the fence, mm -hmm. right? Now, you know, uh, that is not where entrepreneurs hang out, right. right? That's not where startups, startups are not like, the first thing I do is get my Navy clearance, yeah. right? So we wanted to open that door, create that opportunity for conversation, um, a lot like what you see here at mm -hmm. the at, at the Capital Factory, right? It's mm -hmm. kind of an open environment. It's very welcoming. There's always an opportunity to like kind of you know, pull someone aside, ask a question, um, and uh, and that's why we're here because you know it's a great opportunity that that's been set up by uh, by Capital Factory. That's why we're so excited about the Austin mm -hmm. kind of ecosystem because it, it does have so much innovation and people are so interested in kind of engaging in this in this kind of national security sector. Right. Right. A absolutely. And, I mean, it's really been mind-blowing seeing it take off from uh, not, right. not expecting it or asking for it whatsoever. And um, it, it brings a whole new meaning to what we do, for sure. And so, you personally, yeah. what is your role at NavalX? Yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I would say as, you know, NavalX is still a startup, and so you wear lots of hats. But the, the hats that I wear today is really, uh, you can think of me as if our... Uh, capability is really advising, consulting, supporting the Navy, that you know, those fleet and force customers to access the Navy enterprise for innovation and access capabilities. Um, I'm kind of our sales and marketing activity. So I go out, I work with the fleet and force engagement folks. I engage with um, all those all those people that want might want to kind of buy our services as a consulting organization. Mm -hmm. And um, and, and also I work on strategy, on applied capital. So I met with a, a bunch of VCs and I have 
you know, I understand the enterprise sales cycle. I understand the questions to ask. Mm. When someone says, I'm working with Microsoft, right. right? Does that mean that like some person in Microsoft customer success, like swipe their card and like it's under their purchase limit? Or does that mean I went through an enterprise sales process with Microsoft and I'm deployed company-wide, right? right? Very different th types of working with Microsoft. Now, most VCs are able to, in a few questions, get through to what, what you mean when you say, I work with the Navy, right. right? Most VCs are not able to do that today, hmm. right? Uh, when it comes to the Navy, they haven't have a lot of exposure. And so that's why one of my roles is to engage with them and say, hey, listen, like, if you have a question about what this means, how this ecosystem works, what, what enterprise sales means in the yeah. context of the DOD, we can help them with those type yeah. of insights. So they, can, so they can invest in the companies that have the greatest opportunity, deliver the best returns to L their LPs, right. um, and as a result of that, improve our you know, defense industrial base, our industrial base that can be applied to national security issues. Right, so you're, you're creating this transparency for investors, the private sector to help drive this alignment between your goals and advancing capabilities and the VC's goals of returning funds to their LPs. Uh, yeah, a hundred, uh, yeah, a thousand percent, because uh, that is a real challenge. And, and, and my personal story about what got me interested in this is actually, it has its roots in uh, one of the reasons I joined the Navy uh, was because I was part of this innovation ecosystem and uh, I, I saw Google decide not to work with the DOD. Right in 2018, Project Maven. They didn't. A lot of people had some angst, um, and to me, I felt like, what a weird thing, because you know the American values uh, are are the ones that that spawned, right? Google. I mean, this it is a modern American massive company, and so you'd think that our our values would be aligning. Yet somehow, the way that the way that the DoD and uh, and, and, and Google's the way that interaction was happening was there's a misalignment, right? Mistrust, misalignment. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like if, if we could only understand each other better between the innovation community and the national security community, we could, we, we could really have a huge impact. Right. Um, and so that brought me in, and uh, that's, why, that's why I think what we're trying to do is make sure that people understand each other. We, we, can, we can translate in between national security talk and, and entrepreneurial talk and, and get more of those people that understand both sides so that we can bring everyone together. Because I, I truly believe that every company in the United States cares about our collective security. And that is the mission that each element of each person who goes in and works for the Navy uh, each person that goes in and works for or national security uh, organizations, that's what they care about. They, we've got those shared values, and, and it's more about making sure that we understand that uh, because we, we love those. We love freedom of speech. We love the American values and, 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 and ensuring that we have the capabilities that protect those globally um, right. is essential. Yeah, it feels like a lot of things have happened in the last five years, but it's bringing this to our awareness where, you know, maybe for a bit we were taking it for, for granted, these, these things. Well, we didn't have to, like, honestly, we didn't, we didn't have to do it. So we didn't, yeah. right? right? You know, um, right. Uh, you know, we, we, we had uh, prosecuted uh, the global war on terror. Uh, we made a ton of prog. We had highly adapted our national security apparatus to, to affect that. Um, and now we realize there's a new threat, a new, a new alternative set of, of values. Um, and, you know, we want to continue to ensure that the rules-based order 
uh, is one that we're able to defend. Um, and, you know, and as you point out, a lot's changed, right? We've got a war in, in Europe. Um, we've got a very dynamic security environment uh, in Asia. And, you know, we need to make sure that uh, the U.S. and our allies are well positioned to ensure, uh, you know, that, that collective security that we've enjoyed. Yep, yep. So you come from our world, the, the tech world, the, the private sector world. And yeah. Now you're here, leader in the, the Navy. What skills from your previous career are, are helping you today at Naval X? Uh, well, you know, servant leadership is one of them, mm-hmm. right? What is that for those who may not? So, so s- servant leadership is, is the concept, and I did this as CEO, right? That like, uh, I was viewed as an opportunity to ride the elevator, mm. right? So, y- y- uh, every morning as CEO, you get in on the bottom floor, uh, just like everyone else, and then you ride up to the top. But you better be ready to ride that ride that elevator all day. Uh, and if you need to take out the trash because no one's there to take out the trash, you take out the trash. And if you need to make a strategic decision uh, for the company, then you're ready to do that too. And and that's very true inside the Navy, right? Um, you think about your your sailors, your frontline activity people. Um, you know that's who you're there to serve, right? And, and that's really a, 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 an amazing experience to do that inside the Navy, where that's such a part of the culture. Um, I'd also say it's specifically when I joined the Navy, I joined as an intelligence officer. Okay. And so that specific role is, is so similar to investing, hmm. right? Um, it's so similar to uh, my role as a lawyer, right? It's about uh, understanding a problem, right? Go understand the problem space, uh, then collect the information right. that, um, that you need to make a decision about that, and then serve it up to the, to the decision maker uh, to be able to take that decision. Now, when you're a lawyer, you know, you're serving your client. When you're an investor, uh, you know, you, you're, you're sometimes you're uh, doing it yourself, but oftentimes you're going to have an investment committee where you're kind of going to and making that, get, gather it up, go deliver that to the decision maker. Right. Um, so that those types of skills are, are very, um, you know, are very uh, applicable uh, to, to kind of what I'm doing in the business sector and what I'm doing in the Navy. Uh, but there is so much to learn, and this is why I think it's exciting as I see more and more people with business experience getting involved and more and more people inside the security community kind of going out and engaging with business, learning that language. Um, because there's so many terms of art, right? So many TLAs, three letter acronyms that you gotta, you gotta wade through. Right. Um, and, uh, and so much to learn about how the, the DOD works uh, and the Navy works. And, and that's why I'm excited to be part of that. And more and more, there's more of these Sherpas out there who are able to kind of do that translation. Right. Um, and creating a whole new culture, new new language uh, between, you know, the tech world's not super easy to understand either. Uh, yeah. No, exactly. So, like, it, it's funny. So, uh, you know, I, I was talking with, you know, warfare centers and, uh, you know, all these other terms of art about the, 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 the characters, all these nouns and verbs, the, 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 the acronyms that, that relate to each element of the acquisition process, complete, uh, you know, confusion uh, when you first enter that realm. Um, and on the flip side, I was just talking uh, on the way back, but, you know, I'm talking seed stage, A stage, B rounds, you know, is it a down round? Is it, you know, who, who's your lead? Like all, all the terms of art 
a VC, you know, who's your beachhead customer, like all this other stuff. And like, of course, to my colleagues who have been in the Navy, they're like, what is that? <laughs> what does that right. even mean, man? Right. And so, uh, and so that's why it's, it's fun because I'm able to start to talk both of these languages and translate things. Right. Um, which, and one of, the, one of the most valuable ones I, I think I've gotten to is about talking about, you know, adapting your, the concepts and tools you use to do enterprise sales, mm-hmm. right, and inside sales to application to elements of places where you can win money, deliver value as a, as a, as a service provider, as a capability provider to the Navy and enterprise sales, right? So, like, the, the concepts aren't, the activities are not different. The words we use, totally right. different, right. but the activities are not super different. Yep. And then kind of flipping my last question, is there anything you've learned inside the Navy and the DOD you wish you knew when you're leading tech companies or as an attorney? Um, interesting. So, so of, the, of the things that I've learned here, um, I, I guess that uh, the importance of, of service, right, and... You know, I, I think uh, really honing in on that double bottom line, right? One of the things that has been so satisfying, gratifying about being part of the Navy is the sense that not only am I, you know, delivering value inside of my organization, but I'm delivering a broader societal good. Right. And I think, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, can get kind of lost, right, as you're doing, hey, I've got a new B2B SaaS technology that I'm working on, or... I've got this new AI that's going to like revolutionize, you know, one element of this part of this industry. Um, you know, how do you take that back to uh, a meaningful service orientation, right? How, how do you think about how that serves a broader societal good? Um, and and I think that's so easy inside the Navy. And I think that um, describing that would have been a great opportunity for, for me to make the companies that I was working on even more meaningful. Right. Right. Because you get that sense of, yeah, I'm making a, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm making money and I'm like building a cool team. Right. Um, but can I layer in there that triple bottom line of like the thing I'm doing is going to ensure, you know, our collective security or, you know, at the other companies I work at, you know, h- how did that impact society? Right. in a way that was really meaningful because um, it gives you that extra sense of urgency, extra sense of passion, uh, especially in the startup grind, man, because startup grind is tough and uh, it's a lot of no's and a, a lot of like, I, I got to raise this round, a lot of like, how am I meeting payroll and a lot, a lot of all those things. And so what gives you that motivation, right? Um, it can't just be about returning money to LPs, um, it's got to be about that, but it can't just be about that, right? right? Um, and that's the part that I love about working with the Navy is that I get a chance to wake up every morning and work on something that I know my kids are going to benefit from, I know their friends are going to benefit from, right. and like that's just the excitement that's around the national security space. And it's so broad. It's like whether you're in energy or autonomy or AI or quantum or biotech, right? All these places, ha- you, you have that opportunity to uh, to really make that difference. And that's why I think so many people are starting to like wake up after COVID, kind of say like, hey, what am I doing with my life? And starting to say, man, I, I could apply my entrepreneurial talents in a way that really had 
an impact for our society. Right. And that's why they're, they're, they're getting excited about this space. Right, right. Yeah, and, it's, it, it, and it fuels the financial outcome because yep. people are more motivated and it increases your chances. And, you know, I'm, I'm not one to say people aren't motivated by money, but, you know, there's a lot of motivations you can stack on top of this. The only thing better than one bottom line is two bottom lines, right? right? right. Um, where you're delivering. Uh, or I, I like to talk about it as psychic compensation, okay, right? Go, psychic right. compensation. You're not just making a paycheck, but you, if you feel good every day when you go to work, yeah, that's a huge value. Yeah, yeah I think it's uh, for for us and our community here in Austin. It's been it's driven our maturity as entrepreneurs, as people yep. that start companies. And I remember, you know, this thought that like, hey, these little things make a difference, you know, and like, yeah. oh, you give, you know, I don't think it's untrue that a game on your phone doesn't brighten someone's day or someone else's, but you know, when when the DOD came and, and this whole thing took off and, you know, being able to partner on like the stuff you're reading about on the news to solve yep. these problems. It's like, you can't even really describe it. Uh, it feels it, good. Yeah. Yeah. It feels good. And, and it feels meaningful and, you know, and, and it's, yeah. And in a lot of ways, like if we solve those problems, like we'll make money and, and, you know, but, yeah, and, and it's the other thing that's super exciting is I've got a chance to go out and like be at the at the tactical edge. I was out in uh, out in uh, in the Fifth Fleet AOR or the Middle East, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, working at this organization called Task Force Five Nine, and to see those sailors, uh, special operators, Marines, you know, see them use those tools, right? Like, I think one of the things that really motivates entrepreneurs motivated me as an entrepreneur. Um, and what I looked for in the people that I was writing checks to um, as entrepreneurs is that they, they, they love their customer. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's no person that's like easier to love than that sailor or that Marine that like ha- is away from their family out there. They, they raised their right hand and they said, hey, I want to put my effort behind making sure that uh, America is secure. Yeah. Right. And, and, uh, and that we can enjoy the freedoms we, we, we've come to, to, to take for granted. And, uh, you know, and so that's such a powerful thing, right? Like, you know, you know the other end of that person who's on the mobile phone playing that game is exciting. But just think about serving that sailor out there who's in a, you know, needs that new map wants to be able to not go into harm's way and send that drone in ahead of themselves. Like that's such a deep meaning, such a, such a profound impact on that person. You know, who wouldn't want to apply their technology to that space? Yep, absolutely. Well, you mentioned tech bridges yeah. earlier. Yeah. This program, do you have one in Austin? So we don't have one in Austin. Uh, we're, we're in deep conversations with Josh. I mean, that's one of the reasons why we're down here um, is to kind of explore that more deeply. Uh, because there is such a rich uh, innovation ecosystem here, uh, and we want to be able to kind of tap into that. And you know, so you know, I, I'm excited to meet the <coughs> meet the technology companies that are here right now, that are local, the ones that are proximate. Um, meet all the stakeholders. Uh, we've had some great meetings, and then what that gives us an opportunity to do is, you know, because truth be told, I mean, you know, Austin is not on an ocean, right? So sometimes the Navy not a we, lot of big bodies of water, you around. know. Uh, and so, you know, it's easy to understand why we might say, oh, we're going to put these things in Norfolk and San Diego. And, yeah. you know, um, uh, but but I think there's such a rich ecosystem here that we're really excited about it. And we're going to have a lot of information, data to bring back 
um, to work with the broader naval enterprise to say, hey, you know, we should invest here. Right. Um, and, and that's what's been great about this event. And, uh, you know, uh, you guys are going to keep on holding it. So I, I know we'll at least be back. Uh, We're going to keep times making it more and more enticing uh, for you. So I, that's year. what I expect. Um, yeah. And we actually, we just saw great, we were just, you know, you, you wouldn't think to yourself, uh, you know, hey, there's going to be a critical naval capability that's going to come out of Austin. And yet, you know, uh, one of the companies that's local to Austin uh, was just out with the Navy Postgraduate School. Uh, they got a CRADA going with them, which means that they can start to kind of gain information, share information. Just did a, a, an exercise uh, out, in, uh, out in California. And we went on a factory tour. So I went, I went to go see an unmanned surface vehicle at Saronic. They tooled it around, like, you know, I, we went out there. Now it wasn't ocean, but that's definitely an ocean capability. Right. And so to see that kind of growing out of this ecosystem is really exciting. Yeah. Have you, are you familiar with the Hack the Machine event? Yeah. You know, we hosted that here oh, five years ago or something. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, Super yeah, we cool. were just, I was just talking with someone about that outside. It was one of the very early DOD events we, we did and for those, most people probably aren't, aren't, aren't familiar with it, but they bring in all the electrical components of a yep. Navy battleship and they, you know, just kind of put them in, in a room and you do a hackathon around it. And there was people from all over the country that flew in to, to do this. That's and awesome. There was a, some group that had developed a little device and kind of figured out how to, to, to you know, get in there and, and you know, were able to, to you know, nip that in the bud before it started. Well, 100%, and, and this is like, this is why uh, it's so exciting to have these tech bridges, so exciting to build these relationships, because, yeah. you know, for a long time, you know, the defense industrial base, the naval industrial base, um, you know, has become a little insular, right? And we have incredibly smart people, you know, inside that naval innovation enterprise, but we don't have all the smart people. No. And so how do we, how do we make sure that we bring those people in? Um, because at the end of the day, the American experiment in our national security is a whole of society effort, right? It's not one person that makes sure that, you know, America and the ideals we stand for continues to exist. We're all part of that. We're all, you know, we're, we're all part of that conversation. We all have something, some type of value to add. Um, and it's exciting for me to see that defense industrial base start to, start to uh, build those relationships, make those, you know, create those bridges to bring everyone in. So it is that whole of society effort yep. to, uh, to ensure a collective security. Yep. Yep. And how many, how, again, how many tech bridges do you have? So, so there's, there's 18 globally, there's 18 uh, globally. but 16 of them are in the U S we have one in the UK, we have one in Japan. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and we've had I interesting conversations about, you know, um, Australia as well. Cause mm -hmm. we, you know, we're, 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 you know, incredibly oriented towards partnerships. The Navy is very unique, right? We're kind of very globally deployed. Right. Um, and so we have that international perspective. So there's both a ton of coverage inside the U.S. Um, mm -hmm. and then also uh, overseas. Got it. Got it. Anything, anything in Texas or? So, so that's why we're here, right? We're here to, we're here to figure it out. Um, and you know, every cool company we meet uh, that's Austin-based, that's Texas-based, all the capabilities out of UT Austin, um, you know, it, it's exciting to see the, the, the ecosystem here. And I can tell you, you know, uh, as part of that Naval X effort, um, you know, I bring all that experience I have from South by Southwest, you know, <laughs> understanding Austin as a place that connects creative minds, um, seeing that, experiencing that, uh, and, and bringing that perspective mm -hmm. to the table, right. which, you know, uh, 
you know, that's not going to be a usual perspective that, that uh, is voiced. Um, and that's why it's so exciting to have more and more reservists, more and more Navy folks who have, you know, kind of that business experience who can, yeah. who can speak to the places uh, where that, those innovative minds are gathering, where those capabilities are getting developed, where the, the capital ecosystems are, all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's exciting to be able to talk about it. Absolutely. And in Austin, you have the, this very interesting tech culture. And then just around us, you have these other large cities that bring all this other other stuff. To Ab- absolutely. And, you know, we're right. not, not well, too well, far from uh, Port of Houston, you know, so. Exactly. There you go. All right. Well, you know, as we kind of wrap, wrap things up here, how do you see national security, defense innovation evolving, you know, in the current environment, you know, the next two, three years? So, you know, I, I, I talked a little bit earlier about kind of this storming, norming, performing right. concept. Um, and I think we're at that norming with, with the, the institutions and actors inside the Navy, uh, DOD, DIU, uh, AFWorks, uh, you know, Army Futures Command. I think we're in this kind of like norming to, to trending towards performing stage, yeah. right? Um, and, and, and I'd say that's going to continue to evolve from an institutional organizational perspective. From a global perspective, I think that it's very urgent that that we are able to execute on bringing in capabilities that ensure our deterrence capacity really quickly, right? We're not talking about months or years. We're talking about weeks yeah. um, because the security environment is evolving incredibly rapidly, um, and we need to be ready to meet it as a society. Uh, in conjunction with our allies. Um, so I, I think, you know, I, I talk about evolutionary innovation and revolutionary innovation. And uh, the evolutionary innovation, which, which, the, which all the services are great at, um, focuses on uh, known technologies and uh, relatively stable operational environments, mm-hmm. right? Revolutionary technologies focus on uh, di- di- uh, unstable, operational environments um, and, and rapidly evolving technologies. And so I think that uh, we will be in a position to really execute against those, um, those revolutionary technologies, which is why it's such an exciting time to be an entrepreneur that has a defense focus or has security right. focus, um, because you are dealing with you know, rapid changes in the environment in, uh, you know, from space to the maritime environment. All these different things are rapidly changing. Capability needs are changing. Challenges and opportunities are emerging. Uh, and so, you know, it's a very dynamic and interesting place to be. And so you can, if you're excited by doing new things, like this is a great place to be, but there's consequence in achieving that, right? There's consequence to our, you know, the, uh, you know, our collective security if we don't get involved. And, and if I were to end on one thing about where the future is, um, it's about, you know, maybe some people want to sign up and go serve um, as part of the Navy uh, or, or the Army or any of the services, right, of the Air Force, um, Marines. But, you know, maybe uh, that's not for them. But what they can do is figure out how do I apply my entrepreneurial talents to ensure that all those service members that are out there are safe and are able to uh, have uh, capabilities that deter and avoid conflict Mm -hmm. um, so we don't get into a place where there's, uh, you know, like sadly we've seen in Ukraine, 
Uh, you know, so now is the time to get involved, mm -hmm. to, to think about, is there a, a national security dimension, a collective security dimension to the startup I'm already working on, right? right? Um, and, and to know that there's people that are excited to, to shake your hand, to bring you into the conversation, um, and to know that if you do that, you're gonna have the opportunity to make a real difference in the lives of those people that use your product yep. and in all of our lives across, you know, across the country and the world who, who believe in the values, these Western values that, um, that have been so stable uh, you know, you know, over the last 50, 75 years. Right, right. And well, we talked a little bit earlier about Sibbers, Small yes. Business Innovation Research, and I found that to be, for startups, uh, one of the first engagements that you'll, <coughs> you'll go get. And I think you know, over 100 of our companies or something like that have, have you know, received a Sibber of some sort, and, and some of them very meaningful. So can you just tell us a little bit about that program and, and you know, how it works within the, the DoD? Yeah, so, so I think of the, the, it's a great source of non-dilutive uh, non non capital. capital. Um, and, and, and really complements, uh, you know, bringing on dilutive capital. It, it's a great place to go when you're thinking about uh, developing your capability, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I think the interesting part is, is that, like I talked about, like it's a great place to, to, to get user feedback. It's a great place to, um, to, to, to have some early smaller wins. Uh, but in order to kind of move up that scale, in order to get to the enterprise sale, you do have to mature through your sales process to get there. Um, but it's 100%. We, we just started doing kind of relatively open topics. Uh, so we put out through that, uh, th through through the, you know, if you just Google Navy SBIR, mm -hmm. um, you'll you, you get to the website. Um, you can go search kind of what we're looking for. That's a place where we kind of vocalize um, what type of, type of problems we're working on and what, what type of things we might be interested in. Um, and then you can, go get, you can go get some money, right? Yeah. Um, and, and then we're here, that's the, that's the cool part about uh, what Naval X is really doing is not only can you use that to become a small company, but you can use that plus all the, the support around uh, innovation and, and capabilities to leverage that into what could turn you into a big company, yep. right? Because there's a, you know, there's a difference and, and the Navy wants to work with small businesses, but we also, we want to work with small businesses that want to remain small. Um, and we also work, want to work with small businesses that want to get big. And, and so we're really positioned to, 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 to help with small business and startup. And that's kind of a, a great way to go get some easy wins, or not, not easy wins, but comparatively, you know, inside sales activities right. um, that'll generate, uh, you, know, uh, you know, revenue that's meaningful for a small business yeah. uh, in order to give them that chance to kind of build capability, yep. uh, build the, the capacity of their capability. Um, you know, so they can deliver a broader value, whether that's, uh, you know, inside the Navy, inside another service, or uh, to the commercial space, right? Um, right? How can you adapt that that money that you got to go to go win that other customer? Yep, a absolutely. And what's interesting to me as an investor is how these non-dilutive funds unlock these very early technical milestones, where a lot of angels, VCs, it's just they've got less risky options to go fund. And, and so, so many of these entrepreneurs for a long time were not being able to just go get these first prototypes, you know, get these first things, you know, first couple shots down the field. And the Sibbers have allowed, you know, to kind of go unlock that. And you can go, and even if it's not directly in your big vision, there's some 
system that your your ultimate platform needs that you can go get some funding for, knock that out and move on to the next milestone. Yeah, and this is where I think some investors probably mis, misunderstand what the cyber opportunity is. Um, and they should view it as a chance to de-risk, use non-dilutive capital to de-risk technical risk. Right. And and as, a, as opposed to uh, thinking about a cyber as a way to do de-risk market risk, yeah. right? I don't, I don't think that there's, there's part of it that is the storyline in cyber is about de-risking uh, kind of market risk. Uh, but it's really about, from my perspective, the, the capital there is really, really useful for reducing technical risk. And that's a great way for, I think, for for VCs to think about it, investors to think about it, because at the end of the day, what I really want to scale is most VCs are not in a position to do a deep dive on the technical risk associated with the startup that they're thinking about and writing right. to. Right. They have some sense of the technology to do a little bit of diligence, but there's no way that the business structure allows you to go spend two months analyzing every element of this, you know, startup and whether or not it's really going to have, the, the technology is really going to work, yep. right? Um, usually, as an investor, I've always wanted to fund, you know, I'll take on risk on market. I want to, like, give them money at various different stages to go either test the market right. or, to, uh, or to scale an existing go-to-market mechanism, you know, and, and I really want someone else to cover the technical risk. And um, that's what I would depend on the friends and family, right? They fund the technical risk. Uh, we know that it works. And so if it's something more complex that friends and family can't fund, that's a great place right. for Cibber to come in, do some of that de-risking on the technical side so that when I come in as an investor, I can say, okay, some of you, you know, some part of your go-to-market motion might be in the defense vertical, but you've de-risked the technical side of this, and so now you're really ready to also have a commercial vertical right. um, that can go leverage all, the, all that great non-dilutive capital uh, and go sell that into, into the commercial space. Great. Thanks for joining us on the show. Hey, great. Thanks for having me, man. Welcome, Diana, Carol Ann, to the show. Uh, excited to have you here in Austin at Fed Supernova uh, and talk a little bit about what you're you're doing here over from, from Florida and, uh, and, and, yeah, the programs you're working on to help entrepreneurs. So maybe we just start with... We're here to make sure everybody knows that there's a whole lot more to Orlando than the Mickey Mouse ears. R really? <laughs> because I know. I mean, Did you know that, good Nick? good start. But... Yeah. Let me remind you that all those great theme park rides you go on are the result of stunning innovation yeah. and technology. Right. So we're going to start with that. Right. Yeah. Well, we think of ourselves at Capital Factory as the, the Disney World for startups. Ah, there you uh, go. So okay. we, uh, we learn a lot from the experience you provide that kind of creates uh, the, the mentality you need to, to innovate. Yeah. And, um, there's a big part of that. Yeah, roots roots there. But yeah, I'm excited to learn about it. I've been to Orlando a couple of times. I went to uh, Champions Gate yeah. for a golf yep. trip, yep. Uh, which was really fun oh, and had, had a blast out there. And, um, yeah, we well, need to get you to the other side right. of the Orlando universe next time you're there. I will, yeah. We'll come to The real Orlando. It. Right. All right. So what is real Orlando? What is real Orlando? It is a amazing tapestry of decades in the making clusters of innovation that span everything from 
defense and commercial space mm -hmm. and all the things that go into that. Obviously, Kennedy Space Center, stunning engineering, talk about solving hard problems, right? right? To missiles and immersive experiences, Imagineering with Disney, mm -hmm. AI, advanced materials, things that people don't associate with us because they don't know about it. Right. Some really amazing medical innovations. Right. We have the biggest cluster of specialty pharma Do a in the country. Really? Who so, knew, right? Yeah, yeah. No, no, that, yeah. this is yeah. fascinating. Yeah. yeah back up a little bit and you want to yeah we'll do some intros yeah. and you caroline you want to start and just sure. let us know how you got to your role today Where, yeah how did i get to do this fun job right, right. <laughs> just real briefly uh, my my background i've been in academia most of my career i did a stint with a startup company and it was a company that actually spun out of the defense intelligence agency so yeah. that was an interesting little venture but uh, my career has really been in academia, working with researchers, but always, for the most part, with a foot on the outside, mm -hmm. bridging academia and the community mm -hmm. to support companies in pulling innovation out of university labs and out of federal labs. For many years before I got to the University of Central Florida, I was actually with one of NASA's tech transfer mm -hmm. and commercialization centers. So worked extensively with NASA, some DOD labs, some other labs, helping them identify what really had commercial potential, dual use potential, although we didn't call it that at that time, and then helping promote that innovation, those, that technology mm -hmm. to companies yeah. to license it get involved in joint development, and pull that out into products and services into the market. So that involved helping support the companies right. with their commercialization, capital plans, all of that. Right. I got a little bit involved in business incubation while I was in that role because we intersected with a lot of incubators. University of Central Florida was started their business incubation program. I helped support them a little bit. I was at the University of Florida at the time when I was doing what I've just described got recruited to University of Central Florida to help with their business incubator, which has grown extensively. We have mm -hmm. nine individual incubator locations across the metro Orlando area. More than half of those are technology cluster specific incubators. Mm -hmm. So we've churned out a lot of great companies out in the community doing amazing things. In that role, I had a lot of opportunity to interact with our local defense community, both in the aerospace community over in the Space Coast, as well as right there in Orlando because of the presence of the military commands in the Central Florida Research Park, which is adjacent to UCF and really was established for organizations to reside next to the university and engage with the university for talent and research and all that. But when you run a large incubator, just like here at Capital Factory, you have a lot of companies that are pursuing government contracting, a lot of SBRs and STTRs, just like you have here at Capital Factory, I'm sure. Got to know a lot of folks in that world. Met Diana at one of the many industry engagements that the Team Orlando commands do, which I'm sure she'll have a chance to tell you about. When Captain Tim Hill, then the commanding officer for the Naval Air Warfare Center Training Systems Division, this was all about the time that Naval X was establishing the tech bridges, and they were looking at Orlando as one of the charter 
tech bridge locations, mm-hmm. he realized we need to build on what we already have in Team Orlando, which is quite extraordinary and very unique collaboration among the four services. Got Naval X coming in with the tech bridge. Hey, we're a federal lab. We can sign a partnership intermediary agreement. Let's create an innovation hub mm. that builds on top of Team Orlando and really ex- greatly expands and accelerates our outreach to non-traditionals, to academia across the country, so we can truly move out and move forward in more rapid innovation and bringing those cutting-edge technologies to us. So tech, that was the beginning of the conversations because of my work with the incubator, I think, primarily. I got pulled into the conversations with Diana and Captain Hill and had the privilege of helping craft the vision, become the director on the University of Central Florida Research Foundation side. We opened our doors two and a half years ago, and I'll stop there because I'm sure we'll have more yeah. opportunity to talk about Tech Grove. <laughs> Absolutely. And that last organization, that's the Central Florida Tech Grove. Tech Grove, yes, sir. I love that name. Yes, sir. That's No works because we're in the Grove, obviously, Florida. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Well, Diana, let's turn to you. How, how did you get into your role at Naval X? So um, I'm a Marine Corps brat. And so come from the military environment and still wanted to be a part of the mission. So I started my Navy career many years ago in Cherry Point, North Carolina, and then had the opportunity to come to what Caroline was talking about, Naval Air Warfare Center Training Systems Division, or not TSD, is the way we say it. Um, and I've had this great career. I started out backwards, if you will. I started out in sustainment, so supporting all of the weapon systems and training devices, and now I'm at the front end of that. So mm-hmm. I've gotten to see everything but kind of going backwards for to the front. Um, my current role, I've been the outreach director at NOC TSD for over 10, 15 years now, which is a unique position. Um, our command does about a billion dollars a year in acquisition authority. And so we took it seriously when that industry is our partners. We don't field many things without our industry members helping us. And so we wanted to have a relationship with our industry members. We didn't want it just to be, here's, over, here's the request for proposal, over to you, submit the proposal. Yeah. We wanted to have a relationship, and we thought that we would get a better product if they understood that. So we have, as my, in my position as outreach director, we have a touch point with industry at least on a monthly basis on non-program specific kind of topics to talk to industry, to give them information about what we're doing and to solicit feedback. So when the other part of my job is the director of Team Orlando, which is we have all four services co-located in basically the UCF Research Park area of Orlando. Mm -hmm. Navy sits on the smallest base in the world. It's 40 acres. We know every one of those acres and love them dearly, right? So we have this little itty-bitty base, and we have all four services there. Between the four of us, we do about $6.5 billion of business a year. Um, So that's a lot of money, right? That's going transactions that are happening there in Orlando with training systems in the DOD. So we have this thing called Team Orlando. I'm the director of that, which brings all four of the services together to collaborate on some interesting things that are are unique to us. Um, So with those two things, the fact that I'm outreach director and Team Orlando director, when we had this Naval X came to us, it just was the natural Mm. progression of bringing now the technology part into what we're doing. And we, when we stood up the, what our version of the Central Florida Tech Bridge, which is a node on that Naval X network, 
we knew that from a not TSD perspective, Central Florida Tech Bridge perspective, we would not be able to sustain it by ourselves. We wanted our Team Orlando brethren, if you will, to be a part of what we were creating, that, that ecosystem down there. So we stood up what Carol Ann was describing as the Central Florida Tech Grove mm-hmm. um, that has all four services as a part of it. So kind of like a mm-hmm. little capital factory, if you will. All four of the services are a part of that. All four of them have input into the direction and vision of what we're doing. And the difference is not TSD has the, this, the contract. Mm-hmm. So each of the services have different authorities. And as Carol Ann was saying, we have the authority as a federal lab to enter into that partnership in the media agreement. And we did that with the knowledge that we would have others that would join us on the back end. Mm-hmm. It's also, uh, I want to expand on Team yeah. Orlando because yeah. while it's anchored by the four services, there are other parts of because there's actually five services represented, other parts of the national security infrastructure, other parts of DOD. So right. the Fifth Service Space Force is joining us. Um, they're, they're moving to Patrick Space Force, the training part of Patrick. I mean, Space Force is moving to Patrick, which is about 45 minutes away. So they'll be joining Team Orlando. And so as Carol Ann was saying, Team Orlando, the essence of Team Orlando is the fact that we have the four services, going to be five, co-located in UCF Research Park area, all in the modeling, simulation, training, human performance business space. So that's the, the cohesion for us all. Every, all of the services have something, a little nuance um, that they do differently. And then we have other federal government organizations that are located there that are a part of Team Orlando. And then we work with, because we don't do it alone, right? I mean, I, I said that earlier, we don't do it alone. So we have different nonprofits that are represented on our board to speak for different organizations. Like UCF represents academia for us. And then we have another organization, National Center for Simulation, that represents industry for us. INSIN, National Security Innovation Network, they sit on our board. So we have these board of directors meetings with Team Orlando that bring us all together to have those conversations about what's important to us at the leadership level. And that that sets the basis for our community. And I think part of the foundation for why the Tech Bridge was able to just start off running. Theme of the the, the ecosystem you mentioned is I think you said model cohesion and human performance or modeling simulation modeling simulation oh, training training and training and human performance yeah. sorry i muttered that no 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 it's, it's, those are some important topics yes. so what does that really really mean like can, can we go through those unpack it a little bit so i'll just do the overview of it the uh, disney yeah. rides that you go right. on the simulators that you're yeah. riding in disney right. that's what we do Got, but we uh, do it from a training for perspective serious. Right. For, for serious right. reasons so that you, right. the operators and maintainers can perform their mission they can perform their mission and come home safely. Got it. So we yeah. put the science behind it on what needs to be done for you to be able to perform that mission. So it's not just a fun game when you come to our training right. systems. That's the overview. Mm-hmm. Ann. Yeah, just imagine, if you will, because this is something that NOCTSD and the other services do, mm-hmm. increasingly war is multinational, mm-hmm. right? All the services allies, multinational, how do you, you got to train for that Mm -hmm. to effectively execute that. Out of the commands in Team Orlando, they are implementing multinational training exercises. You've got live participants, maybe it's aircraft carriers out in the ocean, maybe it's tanks on the ground somewhere in Europe. You've got what we call constructive participate you got virtual all these different forms of replicating 
what could happen right. in a real environment scenario. But integrating on think about integrating all that across thousands of miles, different sources of data, different types, forms of the data, and being able to train our warfighters right. how to fight in that environment right. and how to respond. Right. That that's a lot of what's happening. Yeah, it's I parts mean, and it, pieces it, of all that. Right. There's so many different organizations and, and you know, cultures for, for all these different mm-hmm. groups you're, mm-hmm. you're bringing together. And so many times when we talk about training and simulation, everybody thinks it's training the pilots how to fly. Mm. It's training the mechanics how to work on the, mm-hmm. the aircraft. It's, it's training the aircraft carrier deck crew. It's all that. But it's also training leadership. Yeah. It's training teamwork. It's training in decision-making. There are all sorts of reasons that training needs to take place for right. someone, right. for well, one of our warfighters to function effectively. Yeah. And I think the importance about what we do in um, Team Orlando, when we talk about training, because training is so highly technical now with the simulators and things like that, and and, and now with immersive reality, everybody can build immersive reality, mm-hmm. and they can slap the training lo- logo on it and say, it's training because I built an environment for you. That's not what we do. We come up, we have professionals that look through and say, this is the mission that needs to be performed. How do you perform it? Yeah. What, are the, what are the learning objectives that go into this? What do we need to do to be able? And so then we mm-hmm. figure out the proper media that you need to, to train in to achieve those missions. And how do you track that over time? How right. do you somewhat personalize what works best for a particular individual and assess mm-hmm. their learning capabilities. Mm-hmm. What do they need to repeat? Mm-hmm. Where, what skills did they fall short on? What mm-hmm. concepts did they fall short on? But over their life in the military, how do you track that and continuously ensure that you're supporting their learning? Right. There's a whole, this diet right. there's a whole lot of learning science behind right. all this. And, and it's not, so there's Team Orlando and a, you know, a lot of, organizations involved in this but the other one that uh you're both involved with is naval x which yes. sounds mm-hmm. like a newer layer is this mm-hmm. the latest layer yes. i guess yeah. tell us about that and how what that's bringing yes. to so the table yeah. yeah so naval x um is a naval initiative so that's right. navy marine corps yep. initiative and that's at the national level and so um, what they're looking at, in my perspective, is how do we bring the startups, the innovators, the world is changing around us, right? Mm-hmm. And we know that that's happening. And we, in the DOD, we've got researchers that have done tremendous amount of research and continue to do that. We also know in the DOD that those startups are doing a tremendous amount of innovation. And we need to be able to get access to that. DOD is not always friendly because it's hard to get to us. There's gates, guards, and guns, right, right to get have access to us. So we're making ourselves more accessible Mm -hmm. through the Naval X initiative. We have these tech bridges that we've stood up all around the world and we're making, we're putting these tech bridges in off base locations Mm -hmm. so that people can access us and we're doing it in an environment where like our tech rope is like a speakeasy. You come in through the back door and there's like the dumpsters out front kind of thing. You got to know that you're going in there. Right? And it's just everybody comes in there and they feel at home. It doesn't matter if you've got four stars or you're a startup and you know you've never been and talked to somebody in the DOD before Mm. we've got translators you know our PIA partner UCF Academia that they understand the startup language that when I think if I define an acronym 
I'm speaking clearly. Mm -hmm. um, and I found out that that's not true. So our, our PA partner could help us with that translation. They can help us to access these, these innovators that wouldn't necessarily look at the DOD as an interesting place to solve problems. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For, for me, speaking from the role as director of TechGrow, Naval X and the Tech Bridges bring such an enormous outreach and network and access that we couldn't get on our own. We have companies come into us all the time or that we meet in Orlando or that come to us, they get connected to TechGrow from somewhere in Texas or California or whatever because they have capabilities, they have technologies that are applicable to our mission, human performance, simulation and training, but often those same capabilities are applicable to other things within the Navy or they have other capabilities that are applicable to things that might be going on at not AD or Naval Surface Warfare Center or one of the other centers where they have real needs too, but they wouldn't necessarily know about the company we have. So sharing those companies mm -hmm. and very bilaterally, we need access to those communities and clusters of companies right. and academia in other parts of the country yeah. that the other tech bridges have access to. Yeah. So we can share, here, here's a prize challenge we're putting out there, here's an opportunity that we have, here's a tech scan, a market research project we're doing, we're looking for companies that have these types of capabilities or products and solutions. Please share with your community, that just helps us address what our customers need. Right. I think the other thing about Naval X and the TechBridge network, it's a network. Mm -hmm. um, and to me, that's really important is that there's collaboration between TechBridge directors. We're located all over the world and we all have our unique strengths and weaknesses and we have our mission areas. So, for instance, um, last week, I believe it was, we had Naval Surface Warfare Center Crane that came to the Tech Grove. They brought some researchers to the Tech Grove with some of their patents. And they have 300 and some patents at NSWC Crane. At, at not TSC, we don't have that number of patents, but we have a lot of industry members. Mm -hmm. Bloomington, Indiana doesn't have that many industry members. So strengths and weaknesses, we combined, yeah. right, to, to bring out what, what each of the ecosystem strengths were to make it better for the Navy, to make it better for the nation, and to provide those opportunities mm -hmm. to those startups. Mm -hmm. And those of us that are what we call PIA partners, Central Florida UCF Research Foundation, which is a PIA partner. They're, each of the tech bridges has an entity like the University of Central Florida Research Foundation or an economic development group that does what we do for them, that outreach. Mm -hmm. So we all collaborate as well. Mm -hmm. We meet regularly, we talk regularly, we're learning from each other, we're sharing company databases with each other. Mm -hmm. so it's really at all levels mm -hmm. of the Naval X enterprise. Diana, you have an extensive background in managing logistics, and and obviously the type of collaboration you're you're organizing right now requires that. I, I guess what are some of the key skills you've picked up over the years that you really are using today to to pull this all together? Perfect question. So I think one of the the most important skills that I picked up as a logistician is. Um, Logistics always gets cut, and nobody ever thinks about logistics. More recently, I think people are thinking about it more, but it just tr 
traditionally within the DOD when we're, we're doing acquisition, logistics is the first thing cut. So um, usually as a logistician, you have li little to no authority. Mm. So influence is important. Mm. I think as my role as a tech bridge director and trying to bridge the gap between saying to our acquisition and our researchers in the DOD that the startups have, you know, look at this, this is interesting, and how do we bring it over? It's all about the influence, right? It's, there's, there's no direction. It's, this, is, this could be interesting for you, trying to find the value proposition and help people understand, um, understand that. I think the other thing is, um, with the tech bridge, the other part of a tech bridge for me is there's kind of three components. There's the tech transfer component, yep. which is T2. The other one is bringing in our SIBRs. Um, and then the third is our Office of Small Business Programs, because mm -hmm. if we're successful in doing something with T2 or a SIBR, we want to transition that into an acquisition program. Mm. And that OSBP person, Office of Small Business Programs, will be able to help with that. So once again, it's about the influence of bringing the team together and helping um, to facilitate those conversations internally to help externally and to help with our mission. Right, right. And so having relationships and, and being able to have real human conversations and, and figure things out, this is, uh, you know, the system works for a lot of things, but not everything and got to, got to keep communicating. Yes. Got it. Got it. And then Carol Ann, uh, you come from the university setting, UCF, and you know, it sounds like you've had some DOD exposure for, for a while. But mm -hmm. I'm wondering, you know, building the incubator system at UCF, uh, you know, how are you applying what you learned there now at, at TechGrove? I don't know how often Diana or my TechGrove team hears me say, we had the same challenge in the incubator, and here's <laughs> it's just like, because... Uh. In helping grow the incubator program at UCF, which has been around about 20 years now. I haven't been there the whole time. But as you're constantly working with startups, and TechGrove has been a startup, right? Some of the same challenges, some of the same issues. And coaching with companies on how to do business with the government, how to engage with the government. TechGrove, we have our... We face some of those same challenges, I find, in how to communicate with our government customers, right? So right. it's very analogous. I, I've really come to appreciate how helping grow and continue to grow the incubation program yeah. and helping companies grow yeah. has really prepared me for this role right. with the Tech Grove. Right. Yeah, I think I see that across the whole startup ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the last 10, 20, 30 years, you've seen a lot of these university entrepreneurship ecosystems. And now you see the DOD building out the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's just a order of magnitude larger. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so yeah, I can imagine. I mean, it certainly helped us. We, we get to do a lot of work with the University of Texas here. And, you know, they, you know, when the, the Army Futures Command was really the first big group we, we started working with, and mm -hmm. you know UT Capital Factory, a few other groups. We we got real close on this real quick, and and uh, yeah, we have a lot of talent transferring, and that feels yeah. like one of the most important pieces is people from different sides of the equation moving around mm -hmm. and being able to to you know, bridge the gap between between uh, you know the different languages we mm -hmm. speak. You know, and I guess maybe that's a good question for the audience is. You know, there's startups and in defense tech, there's a lot of acronyms, especially lexicon, 
how would you advise people new to the space to go about navigating that and, and understanding what all these, uh, yeah, the, the language we use in, in this world means? I would say ask questions. Yeah. Don't yeah. be afraid ask to others. ask. Yeah. Sometimes we just use um, acronyms as it's a word to us now. Right. Um, one of the rules that we have at our command is when we're publicly speaking, we have to define the acronym. Mm. So it at least gets us to defining it so right. that it becomes real words and not just, you know, SIBR um, kind of thing. So ask the question. And sometimes we realize that even though from the DOD perspective, we think we're speaking clearly, like I was saying, and then when the question is asked and we have to define it a little bit more, it helps us to, to have better mm -hmm. understanding of it, too. Mm -hmm. Is that? When I'm working with entrepreneurs or companies, it, it may be a well-established company that's trying to move into this space, I will often bring in somebody from a company that has a lot of experience in the space with the same service mm. and can just share with them, one, here's some of my lessons learned, mm -hmm. uh, here's what some of those acronyms mm -hmm. mean. Mm -hmm. In Orlando, because of what Team Orlando does, Diana referenced a lot of industry interaction. Literally every month, the government, even before TechGrow was established, was having an industry engagement of some sort mm -hmm. where industry was in the room, government was in the room, mm -hmm. government was sharing information, industry had a chance to ask questions. That has just been amplified with mm -hmm. TechGrow because many of our opportunities that we offer, it's government in the room, you're in the room, it's a very informal environment, and you can ask, right. you, you mm -hmm. can right. talk to them. Right. And it's meant to be a, a learning environment. It's right. meant to be an environment of curiosity right. about right. anything and everything. Right. And we see that happening all the time. I think the other thing with acronyms is they're not always the same. So like an, one acronym in the Navy could be mm. the same acronym, but in the Army it could mean something different. Right. It could be a different program. So ask the question. Just to make sure right. that, you know. Right. And this is what's so great about groups like Naval X is you're creating that almost a third space. I kind of mm. think yeah, of these groups like exactly. the Starbucks for the, exactly. the DOD. Exactly, uh, yeah. You know, and it's like, because, um, you know, the DOD can't just go publish all this stuff online right. or, right. you know, like uh, preach it on national TV. You know, there's different dynamics that you're obviously dealing with. Um, and so it's these smaller environments I've found where you can, yeah, ask the questions, get, you know, some little more color to the, the, the things you might learn about through the solicitations or, or these different groups. Well, and I love the Starbucks analogy because we have an event at the Tech Grove called a juice, juice bar. bar. Oh, really? Because yeah. we're in a grove, so yeah. juice, right? And then Keep bar, healthy, there's... You know? Right? Yeah, right? There's like, there's just conversation that happens in a bar. Right. So and I call it a low threat environment and it's meant to be like Carolyn saying, ask the questions. It's supposed to be about curiosity. Right. Sometimes we'll do it as a themed event, like what is a Sibber? How do you get a Sibber? And bring in some experts about Sibbers and and then we'll find that um, businesses or startups new to the industry will be there and we'll have some that already have Sibbers and they'll they'll share information. Um, so it's just, it's just a sharing kind of environment. Sometimes we have what we call open bar. There's no thing. Just come and ask your questions and let's see where the conversation goes. Open bar is usually my favorite. I do just want to make sure we say, Nick, mm -hmm. that with only a few exceptions, our public-facing events are hybrid. Oh. Mm. So while the 
absolute benefit of physically being there cannot be understated, right? It is, we, we designed TechGrove, and this was before the pandemic hit, to be right. very virtual because our mission field is national. Mm -hmm. So anyone who's listening can go to our website, centralfloridatechgrove.org, yeah. fill out that little contact us form, check out our events page, You'll get on our email list, so you'll know about all of our opportunities. But our event page is up to date. It's very active. And just you can generally attend almost yeah. anything virtually and at least get a sense for what's going on, hear some of the conversation, learn who some of the people are right. in our Tech Grove Innovators Innovation Growers Alliance. That's mm -hmm. our. That's what we call our community. <laughs> so, and uh, make an informed decision whether or not, or, or not whether when you're going to come to Orlando right. to visit right. us. A right. Little, yeah. little recon. Yeah. Exactly. You know, do a exactly. couple of those uh, virtually and get an idea exactly. who you really need to focus exactly. on once you, you come visit. Yeah. And is there a good time of year to come visit, or a, a big big event you do, or any anything? Well, there's a, there's a few, yeah. but yeah, it's it's the big one. Yeah. It's it's the big one. So the Inter Service Industry Training Simulation Education Conference um, that happens every year the week after Thanksgiving in Orlando mm -hmm. at our convention center. It's hosted by the National Training Simulation Association (NTSA), yep. which is a subsidiary of NDIA. Got it. So um, that happens every year the week after Thanksgiving. It's all four will be five service. Um, and we're kind of the center of that event, and it's all about modeling, simulation, training, human performance. There'll be about 20,000 people that will descend upon Orlando from all over the world. Um, there'll be all sorts of, there's, you know, special events. We'll have keynotes. I think this year is an Army, Army lead service, so they might have Secretary of the Army that will attend. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll have, like, professional papers that will be presented, about 550 exhibitors on the showroom floor, and many special events throughout the week. So that's the biggest events that's like our capstone Got every it. year and that's uh right after thanksgiving before the week thanksgiving. after thanksgiving week after thanksgiving yes yeah, so either yep. november or december you know right. depending on where thanksgiving yep. lands when we'll do that and basically what happens is team orlando empties out of research park and we just mm -hmm. show up at the convention Live center the convention. <laughs> for a week yeah. nice. yes yep. there's some other there's a kind of mid-year event called tesis mm -hmm. training and simulation industry symposia mm -hmm. that's a little less chaotic it's mm -hmm. uh about 12,000, people. Mm -hmm. so it falls in June uh, time frame. Got it. And that's so. our long-range acquisition yeah. forecast, or LRAF. So all acquisition commands are required by statute to provide our long-range acquisition forecast. What most commands do is they put it on a spreadsheet, put it on their external website, and kind of say, good luck. Mm -hmm. um, what we do, because we have all four services co-located, we get together and do it as a two-day event. And our program managers and our senior-level leaders will be there, along with contracting officers and industry members. And we'll talk to our industry members about what those opportunities are. So it's not just a name, a nomenclature on a spreadsheet. There's actually, you know, some, some words behind it and the story behind it. Got it. Got it. We also do offer some opportunities, Nick, for companies that, would like to come to Orlando and get visibility to our right. customer base and mm -hmm. the primes and all those other companies that are in this space. We have two events that we, we do that one's called an innovation harvest day series that we mm -hmm. do several times a year. This is where we have a theme, a topic, maybe it's AI, 
Uh, our next one's going to be focused on hub zone companies from across the country. But that Innovation Harvest Day is one where we reach out and we invite, we kind of curate the companies that are going to be there to make sure they right. fit whatever the focus is. In between that will be our Innovation <coughs> Marketplace Day. Mm. <laughs> and that is, think of it as a farmer's market, right? right? Market. So yeah. anybody, anybody can sign up to participate it's going to be first come first serve we'll have 24 spots that's about to hit the streets if it didn't yesterday Mm -hmm. already that's an opportunity to come and actually exhibit for the day in tech grove i'm excited to get over and make one of these myself absolutely uh, we look forward to having you there we'll do a podcast from there yes (laughs) that'd be great how did you two first meet remember the original connection was at a Halt, right? So uh, yeah. At one of our industry outreach yeah. events that we right. host for Team Orlando. Um, and Carol Ann did Carol Ann, and she came up and introduced herself to me. I'm not too shy about <laughs> saying, hi, I'm Carol Ann. Yeah, no. You seem very shy. I, don't I know. know. <laughs> yeah, and, and started talking about the incubator program and how we needed to, yeah. to be aware of it yeah. from a Team Orlando yeah. perspective. Mm-hmm. And then we started doing pilgrimages over right. to yeah. the... Yep to the t- incubator CEO to see coming the, over the, the companies the, over yeah. there. So yeah. it was before Tech Bridge yeah. or Tech Road was even a thought in anybody's mm-hmm. mind. We mm-hmm. started to establish a relationship. Right. Yeah. Yep. Excellent. So I need to wrap it up. You would love to hear one piece of advice for an entrepreneur out there who's looking to break into the mm-hmm. defense innovation space in general and mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe even one that doesn't know whether or not, maybe never thought of this, but came across the podcast. And you know, how do you, what's That's the first step they should take? Reach out to us, for one thing, no matter where you are in the country. Yep. If you're not in our space, we'll help you get to the right space. But the defense innovation ecosystem is so vast. Capital Factory's here to help. Softworks is there to help. Strikeworks is there to help. There's Piet Naval X. TechBridge, PIA partners all over the country. Start with that if you're interested in the Navy in particular. But I think if you're if you're having trouble finding the DOD innovation hub that's closest mm-hmm. to you and don't mm-hmm. know where to go, there is a national network called the Apex Accelerator. Mm-hmm. It, up until recently, that network was known as the Procurement Technical Assistance Centers. That is a U.S. Small Business Administration funded network that every state has one. Many states have more than one. So you'll either find PTACs, Procurement Technical Assistance Centers, they're transitioning to APEX accelerators. The whole reason for the existence of that national network of centers that work for you for free is to help a company do business with the government. City, county, state, public authority, federal, and a lot of their focus is on federal. We all work very closely with our local Apex accelerators, and that's a great way to find out who's in the community. They do great basic education on how to do business with the government, and they'll get you connected to the tech bridges, the tech groves, whoever's in, in your backyard that can help you. So. I think from my perspective, it's the networking. Find your tribe and network. Um, the, the small businesses that 
that I've talked to that are in our world and our community. Um, we have new ones that are joining us every day in the Team Orlando ecosystem. And what I hear is that we've got a really welcoming ecosystem and that they learn a lot from each other. There's things that we can help with, you know, from a incubator perspective or small business administration mm -hmm. but the other business members they can help probably more and I get not every environment's that friendly and welcoming mm -hmm. but if you can find that kind of community I, I just hear the, the members of our community saying how valuable that is mm -hmm. somebody that's walked that path before them mm -hmm. for them to be able to learn those lessons mm -hmm. from them yep absolutely well, thank you both for coming on the show today. Thank you. And it's, yeah, thank you. Very clear. You have a, a you know, critical ecosystem you've built in Central Florida, and it's clear this is something you're looking to work with startups from around the country, yes, uh, including the country of Texas. Yes, absolutely. And, <laughs> and you know, we're excited to figure out more ways to to build you know bridges across the Gulf. And, absolutely. And, you know, it's a short flight yeah. and. You probably, you know, you make a day trip, fly yeah. in in the it's morning, come back. It's a very quick two-hour flight. Really yes. easy. Especially, yes. which, what, I guess, going from Austin to Florida, it's probably faster or shorter. A little bit. The, the wind, you yes. know, you get a little, a little tailwind. Bit. It's, it's yeah. easy. So, yeah. well, easy. thanks, y'all. Thanks, y'all, for coming in, and enjoy the rest of Fed Supernova. Look forward to having you come Thank visit you. us. All Look right. forward to being back soon. Thank Me you. too. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Austinpreneur. Don't forget to check out capitalfactory.com to learn more about us and join our community. If you have thoughts about the show or ideas on how we can work together, reach out to me directly via email, nickspiller at capitalfactory.com. Shout out to the Capital Factory Dream Team for making this podcast possible. And special thanks to Aaron Handworker, who masterfully recorded and edited the show. Come back next week for a whole new episode.